Hi guys, I'm Monica Sanska, Vegan Fit, and I decided to read this article because I find it really, really good when it comes to having a healthy microbiome. Yes, that means health in our body, in our mind, in our mood, our emotions. Everything is much better when we eat healthy for our gut and vice versa. Our gut is really going to have an effect on everything that's related to all your processes from the digestive to the mental like i said is like you know so incredible what it really does for us and we're just discovering it and as a scientist i'm very very curious and now i'm a little bit more careful to sift out what is very traditional and very conservative and go for hey how do you feel by eating this, by drinking that? So you can get your own conclusions. And of course, I will link this article down in the description of this podcast. But you can also do your own research and you can give me some suggestions and leave a message. That would be super cool. And of course, you can contact me uh, through my social media, maybe Instagram, and uh, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, etc. But let's just go into the article let's dive in and it's called largest microbiome study weighs in on our gut health by anna sandui published on tuesday may 15th 2018 and it's fact checked by jasmine collier the good thing about these articles from medical news today is that you can always click on whatever is there that leads you to the references okay and that's incredible because you can read more thoroughly on whatever is interesting for you. I mean, I would spend my whole day doing research to tell you the truth, yet, you know, I decide to share this with you and keep sharing more of these amazing articles and scientific papers also, which may be a little bit more boring, but yes, sometimes I'll include some of the abstracts, the conclusions, my thoughts on that, and preferably not the ones that have to do with animal studies. I prefer human studies or human uh, interactions and experiences. It's like, you know, in 2,000, 10,000, uh, I don't know, 100,000 participants in this study, we realized that, yes, you know what's interesting? What I'm gonna read to you, so let me just uh, start. Okay, so, <laughs> yeah, because it talks about mental health and it's totally related to our gut health. Let me tell you that. So yes, what we eat, what we digest has everything to do with our, our protective, our preventative help. You say preventive, like prevention? Yes, I mean, we can basically prevent mental disease, degenerative diseases if we really take care of our health, starting in our gut and starting in our mouth. It's like, what are we putting into uh, what, uh, what is going to be digested? It's just so interesting to me. and. The more I read, like I say, I'm fascinated. Okay, so the first results of the largest study to have ever investigated human microbiome are in. They have important implications for our dietary practices, resistance to antibiotics, and our mental health. In 2012, Rob Knight, PhD, from the University of California at San Diego, Jeff Leach, PhD, the founder of the Human Food Project, and Jack Gilbert, PhD, who's the faculty director of the Microbiome Center at the University of Chicago in Illinois, set out to found the American Gut Project. The aim of the project was to learn more about the human microbiome, that is, the collection of genes that encode all of our, micro, all of our microbes. 
Really? It's a collection of genes? I thought the microbiome was the collection of our microbes. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, you know, when you have a doubt or something, get skeptical. So microbiome definition, you know, you're going to read different ones, uh, but let me make sure. No, you see, that's funny because it is the microorganisms in a particular environment, including the body or a part of the body. It's true, but it's also the combined genetic material. So microbiome is both, okay, just for you to know. Good. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Google. Thank you, Internet. Thank you, electricity. Thank you for listening. And thank you for being open to these amazing ideas. And this is all thanks to Chris, who asked me to talk more about the microbiome. So I will. And not just to talk, but also to invite you guys to, to think about it, to read more. And yes, of course, I will uh, sift out the best for you. That's my intention with you guys. So specifically, the researchers wanted to know how many types of bacteria live in our bodies and where, and how our diet and lifestyle affect the composition of these microbes. To this end, they use so-called citizen science, the practice in which the public contributes to research by offering their time and personal data or data up for analysis. The first results of the project are now available and they offer clues as to what keeps our guts healthy and bacterially diverse. The findings were published in the journal M Systems. Hmm. So, okay, that is so interesting. You see, that's what I like when the public contributes and when we're studying in our own species, okay? Let's not bother animals anymore, okay? That's of the past, too. So, here we are. Citizen scientists help study the microbiome. As part of the project, participants paid $99 for a kit that collected fecal, oral, and skin samples of bacteria. They also had to answer a survey that was inquiring about their overall health and any illnesses they might have had, their lifestyle and dietary practices. In 2015, the project counted 15,096 samples provided by 11,336 people across the United States, United Kingdom, Australia, and 42 other countries. The researchers then used genomic sequencing to analyze a genetic marker called 16S RNA, a molecule unique to bacteria. They also studied the set of metabolites in the samples in order to analyze other molecules and chemical compounds that may be or might be present. Finally, the scientists used a method called shotgun metagenomics, which is an innovative and powerful DNA sequencing method to comprehensively analyze the genetic data or data. The importance of a diverse plant-based diet. First, the results suggest that a more diverse plant-based diet makes for a more bacterially diverse gut. Specifically, those who consumed more than 30 different types of plant each week had much more diverse microbiomes than those who consumed only 10 or fewer types of plant weekly. However, the researchers note that these results do not necessarily mean that increasing microbial diversity is a positive thing for someone's health. Secondly, 
The participants who reported eating more than 30 types of plants per week seemed to have a lower resistance to antibiotics. The researchers found fewer genes indicating antibiotic resistance in the fecal samples of these people, that is, fewer genes that help the bacteria to escape the drugs. While the study is purely observational and could not conclude anything about ca causality, the authors speculate that individuals whose diets contain fewer plants could be compensating with eating either meat, which may have been treated with antibiotics, or processed foods that have had antibiotics added to them. Wow. Gut bacteria and mental health. Finally, the study revealed interesting connections between the composition of the gut's bacteria and mental illness. Those who reported living with post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, schizophrenia, depression, or bipolar disorder were compared with healthy controls who had been matched for age, gender, and body mass index. The results demonstrated that people who reported mental health issues had more bacteria in common with other people who reported similar problems than they did with the controls. This, this association was strong regardless of gender, age, or geographical location. Also, the research suggests that some types of bacteria may be more prevalent in people who live with depression. These findings strengthen the link drawn between mental health and gut bacteria by previous research. For instance, a recent study highlighted a connection between anxiety and the absence of certain healthy gut microbes. Another found that certain bacteria are altered in people with PTSD. Wow. Toward a microbiome GPS, in quotes. Daniel McDonald, PhD, the scientific director of the American Gut Project at UC San Diego School of Medicine, weighs in on the significance of the findings. He says, we observed a much greater microbial diversity than previous smaller studies found, and that suggests that if we look at more populations, we'll see more diversity, which is important for defining the boundaries of the human microbiome. Hmm. Okay. Knight holds a similar sentiment saying, the human microbiome is complex or complex, but the more samples we get, the sooner we will be able to unravel the many ways the microbiome is associated with various health and disease states. The American Gut Project is dynamic with samples arriving from around the world daily, Knight adds. The analysis presented in this paper represents a single snapshot but we want eventually to go beyond making maps of the microbiome to making a microbiome GPS that tells you not just where you are on that map, but where you want to go and what to do in order to get there in terms of diet, lifestyle, or medications. And that's the end of this article in particular, but I am very, very curious. And here's another one from the same medical news today. Gut bacteria in the brain, are we controlled by microbes? Let's read some of that. How much influence do your gut bacteria have on your state of mind? Perhaps more than you think, according to research into the microbiome gut-brain axis. Wow, it's like we have two brains. Remember that time a few months ago I did that other podcast on the microbiome and I read you from Harvard that we have like two brains, okay? And one of our brains is basically in our gut, okay? So Tim Newman writes this article that was 2016. 
although the interaction between our brain and gut has been studied for years, its complexities run deeper than initially thought. It seems that our minds are, in some part, controlled by the bacteria in our bowels. The gut has defenses against pathogens, but at the same time, it encourages the survival and growth of healthy gut bacteria. Exactly. The vast majority of the single cell visitors, single cell, look at the me, look at this. Uh, talk about being a perfectionist. I would have stopped this long time ago and gotten so mad at myself, but I'm just going to keep on going to show you that yes, I make mistakes even in front of you and I'm just gonna keep on going, you know, dust myself off, get up from the ground, from whatever error, shortcoming, fall that I had and I'm gonna show you that I can get back up and keep reading. The vast majority of these single-celled visitors are based in the colon where no less than one trillion reside in each gram of intestinal content. Estimating the number of bacterial guests in our gut is challenging. To date, the best guess is that 40 trillion bacteria call our intestines home. Partially dependent on the size of your last bowel movement, <laughs> poop's major ingredient is bacteria. To put that unwieldy number into perspective, our bodies consist of roughly 30 trillion cells. So, in a very real sense, we are more bacteria than man or woman. Most of our gut bacteria belong to 30 or 40 species, but there can be up to a thousand different species in all. Collectively, they are termed the microbiome. Of course, bacteria do benefit from the warmth and nutrition in our bowels but it is not a one-way relationship. They also give back. Some species benefit us by breaking dietary fiber down into short-chain fatty acids that we can then absorb and use. They metabolize a number of compounds on our behalf and play a role in the synthesis of vitamins B and K. On the other side of the fence, recent research infers that dysregulation of gut bacteria might be an important factor in inflammatory and autoimmune conditions. The microbiome's role in health and disease is only slowly, slowly giving up its secrets. The latest and perhaps most remarkable finding is the ability that gut bacteria have to moderate our brain and behavior. ¿Qué tal? What about this? Like it, like it, and you know, we might be synthesizing vitamin B12 in our gut thanks to the bacteria that do it. You see, it's not about eating animals. Continuing through medical news today on why should the gut and brain be linked? The goings-on in our guts are a matter of life or death. If the gut is empty, our brain must be told if there's a problem with our gut that will hinder food processing and therefore nutrition absorption, the brain will need to be informed. If our gut is facing a pathogen attack, our brain should be kept in the loop. The links between our gut and brain are hormonal, immunological, and neural via the central nervous system and the enteric nervous system, which governs the function of the gut. Collectively, they are termed the gut-brain axis. Although, at first glance, the connections between the gut and brain may seem surprising, we have all experienced it in action. The relationship between stress, anxiety, and a swift bowel movement are no stranger to anyone. These gut-brain conversations have been studied for some time. However, a new level to this partnership has recently been glimpsed. 
Researchers are now considering the influence of our microbiome on the gut-brain axis. In other words, researchers are asking, do the bacteria in our gut affect our psychology and behavior? Termed rather clumsily, the brain-gut enteric microbiota axis or microbiome-gut-brain axis, researchers are only, did I say researchers? Yes, are only beginning to scratch its surface. Stress in the gut. In humans, the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal, HPA, axis is the primary responder to stresses of any kind. It is one of the major players in the limbic system and is heavily involved in emotions and memory. Stress activates the HPA axis and eventually results in the release of cortisol, the stress hormone, which has a variety of effects on many organs, including the brain and gut. In this way, the brain's response to stress has a direct influence on the cells of the gut, including epithelial and immune cells, enteric neurons, interstitial cells of Kajal, the pacemakers of the bowels, wow, how interesting, I didn't know that, and enterochromaffin cells, serotonin synthesizing cells. Conversely, these cell types are also under the influence of our resident army of bacteria. Although the mechanisms by which the microbiota regulate the brain are less clear, evidence is mounting that there is indeed a two-way dialogue. Wow, what a difference a microbe makes. The first clues that microbes might have some control over our mental activity came more than 20 years ago. Patients with hepatic encephalopathy. Oh my goodness, how do you say this? Okay, let me try it again. Okay, hepatic, obviously from the liver, encephalopathy, a decline in brain function due to severe liver disease, were found to improve substantially after taking oral antibiotics. Later studies provided further hints that the microbiome had more than a passing influence on states of mind. It was found to impact anxiety and depressive-like behaviors. Another key observation linked dysbiosis, microbial imbalance, with autism. Children with autism often have abnormal and less diverse communities of bacteria in their gut. One researcher concluded, we suspect that gut microbes may alter levels of neurotransmitter-related metabolites, affecting gut-to-brain communication and or altering brain function. Correlations between gut bacteria and neurotransmitter-related metabolites are stepping stones for a better understanding of the crosstalk between gut bacteria and autism. Researchers in 2014, oh, in this case in 2004, noted that mice bred to have no gut bacteria. Oh my goodness, poor mice. You see, I don't agree with this, just for you to know. I'll just read through it real quick. Had an exaggerated HPA axis response to stress. Further investigations using similar germ-free mice have demonstrated that their lack of gut bacteria alters memory function. Germ-free mice have been a useful tool to study the microbiome gut-brain axis. They have helped prove that something is going on, but the results are impossible to extrapolate into humans. Thank you very much. This is my comment. Okay, guys, give me some suggestions in the voice message you can leave me on how to read about science uh, avoiding you know mentioning mice and other animals that have been used and hopefully from now on like the previous article that i read even in this podcast you know we are going to do studies on humans okay 
Forget about animals and labs, okay? That's of the past. We made all those mistakes before. It's not necessary. And then there's ways in which we can study our human health through our human experience, okay? This is my message and my rant. And I'm so sorry that I read that. I don't know if I'm going to edit it out. I'm just going to go through it. But just for you to know that, yes, bacteria are super important. And how much you can extrapolate? Well, there are they are mammals, okay? But, you know, that's about it it's better to do that research on ourselves in any case. So they replicate no natural situation known to man. There's no such thing as a germ-free human. Thank you very much. So don't do it. Let me see. Let me see how I, how I can skip. Anything else that has to do with animals? Okay. I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll put a flag there and edit it. If not, uh, bear with me, guys, because I'm also in this learning process of putting the focus where we want. So... Uh huh. Mm, other studies have used different approaches. Some investigated the effects of the neuroactive compounds that gut flora produce. Others still have looked at the differences in the gut flora of individuals with psychiatric or psychiatric or neurological differences. Research in general has not been conclusive. Even if changes in gut flora are seen, the eternal chicken or egg question persists. You see, again, with the animal thing. But uh, you understand, this is uh, for comparison purposes. Uh, was the psychiatric condition caused by the change in gut flora? Or did the psychiatric condition and its altered behavior patterns cause the gut flora to change? Or is there a two-way interaction? My guess is that it's a two-way communication, yes, between the bacteria and our brain. So, wow, two-way. Yeah, because, you know, when I'm not feeling so well, I, I feel it in my stomach and my gut. And just like, you know, my gut also tells me, hey, this is not good for you. Get out of here or get out of this situation or this relationship or this uh, thing that you're doing is not working for you or uh, vice versa. The positive thing is like, oh my God, my gut is happy. And if my gut is happy and my microbes are happy, I'm happy. And this is totally Monica. And my dog is right next to me, you see? We don't need to do studies on you either. You're so beautiful, you're my friend. And I'll be right back about how gut flora can moderate the brain. gut flora moderate the brain. Stress is known to increase the permeability of the intestinal lining. This gives bacteria easier access to both the immune system and the neuronal cells of the enteric nervous system. This may be one of the ways in which bacteria find a way to influence us. However, another more direct route has also been demonstrated. One study using foodborne pathogens provided evidence that bacteria in the intestines can activate stress circuits by directly activating the vagus nerve, a cranial nerve supplying a number of organs, including the upper digestive tract. A more direct route still might involve direct contact of the microbiome with the sensory neurons of the enteric nervous system. Studies have shown that these sensory neurons are less active in germ-free mice and once the mice have been given probiotics to restock the microbe, thank you for, for restoring their microbiome, the activity levels of the neurons return to normal. 
Probiotics influencing psychology. If germ-free mice show differences in behavior, the next question is whether adding gut bacteria to an animal can make similar changes. A meta-analysis published in the Journal of Neurogastroenterology and Motility collated the results of studies looking at the effects of probiotics on central, central nervous system function in both humans and animals. They examined 25 animal and 15 human studies, most of which used Bifidobacterium and Lactobacillus over a two to four week period. Although, as the authors mentioned, translating animal studies like this into human terms is a dodgy name. Thank you very much. You see, no animal studies are needed anymore. Thank you. They concluded, these probiotics showed efficacy in improving psychiatric disorder-related behaviors, including anxiety, depression, autism, the autism spectrum disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, and memory abilities, including spatial and non-spatial memory. Another study published in PLOS1 found that age-related decline in memory could be reversed in rats by altering the levels of actinobacteria and bacteroidetes. Wow, it's a uh, bacterio, yeah, bacterioidets in their gut with probiotics. The authors conclude, the data support the notion that intestinal microbiota can be manipulated to positively impact on neuronal or neuronal, how do you say that, like the function of the neurons. The future of the microbiome gut-brain axis. There is a long and winding path ahead of those scientists brave enough to investigate the strange reality of the microbiome gut-brain axis. No doubt a multitude of molecules are involved in various ways to differing degrees. In the far-flung future, perhaps medicines specifically targeting the microbiome will be created for psychiatric conditions. The microbiome may become an early warning system for certain diseases or even a diagnostic tool. Absolutely, that's my, my, my comment. Absolutely, that's it, that's where it is. For now, all we can do is ponder the influence that bacteria have on our everyday state of mind. We should also be amazed and amused that humans, as intelligent as we consider ourselves, are partially under the control of single-celled life forms. <laughs> single-celled life forms control us. Perhaps we would do well to remember that bacteria predate us by billions of years and are highly likely to outlive our species by billions more. Wow. Okay, so I'm done with the article. Thank you very much for listening, and now I'm going to give you some tips.